I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Peace and love, everyone. My name is Manny Faces. For 10 years, I covered hip-hop music and culture in and around New York City as an independent journalist and content creator. I became immersed in a thriving, bubbling, evolving artistic and cultural ecosystem that most of the media, hip-hop or otherwise, was pretty much ignoring. Thanks in part to outlets who fraudulently claimed to represent hip-hop but wielded a large corporate megaphone, even many New Yorkers were woefully uninformed about the breadth and depth of hip-hop music and culture right in their own backyard. Whether it was pioneers or new jack artists, respectable hip-hop institutions, or long-running dynamic event series, I chose to report on people and organizations that were using hip-hop in innovative and inspirational ways. And not just recording or performing music, but also in education, in schools, in youth outreach and counseling, in theater, in science and technology, in politics and activism. When again, these positive aspects of hip-hop were largely underreported. Of course, these things exist outside of the New York area, and so after a while, I switched from a local lens to a nationwide one, so I could help tell those stories as well. Because I believe that connecting with the nation's most dominant youth culture in an authentic manner can help solve some of our biggest problems. And I believe that many people and organizations are leading that important effort, and I believe that they should be supported. Because I believe that hip-hop can save America. To help prove it, I started this podcast. So thanks again for joining me as I talk to the movers and shakers who are responsibly using hip-hop music and culture to address, adjust, and in some cases alleviate problems facing our country. Hip-Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip-hop culture. We're also brought to you by the award-winning Newsbeat podcast. It's hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. And it also incorporates hip-hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast, baby. You can find Newsbeat by Maury Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. 
Hip Hop Can Save America airs weekly, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show, TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is also available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. For this episode, I speak to a couple of B-boys, or some might say breakdancers, from an organization they founded called Hip Hop Fundamentals. Based in Philadelphia, Hip Hop Fundamentals is an educational company run by breakdancers, whose mission is to use the dynamic American art form of breaking to effectively teach academic content, youth empowerment, and social issues. With a roster chock full of talented, passionate teaching artists, the Hip Hop Fundamentals crew conducts memorable and inspirational workshops and in-school residencies throughout Pennsylvania and New Jersey, as well as throughout the country. Now, so far in this podcast series, I've spoken to educators and counselors who recognize the power of hip-hop-based curriculum, hip-hop-based therapy and counseling, just the overall importance of a culturally connected teacher-to-student relationship. What I love about hip-hop fundamentals is they also throw in the use of dance to convey some of the same lessons and messages that are often relegated to rap in educational spaces. It shows that hip-hop's elements, the multiple facets of the culture's artistic side, are not only alive and well, but capable of using their own unique characteristics to encourage expression, education, and inspiration. So here we go. This is my talk with Mark Wong, a.k.a. Metal, and Steve Lunger, a.k.a. Steve Believe, co-owners of Hip Hop Fundamentals. First of all, thanks again for taking the time out. If you could right now, could you just kind of state your name and rank and serial number and title and, you know, all that jazz. <laughs> so, I ha- so I have it on the record. Uh, sure. I'll go first. My name is Mark Wong. Everybody calls me metal in the b-boy scene. I'm one of the co-founders of Hip Hop Fundamentals as a teaching artist and uh, artistic director and all that good stuff. Yes, yes. My name is Steve Lunger, a.k.a. Steve Believe. Uh, I'm co-owner along with uh, Metal of Hip Hop Fundamentals. And I do a good deal of acting, dance, performance and photography work. So uh, a good variety of the arts. I will. We'll get right into it. Gentlemen, again, thank you for taking the time out to uh, kick it with me. I was looking around at a, a number of organizations that, you know, incorporate hip hop in, in somewhat non-traditional ways. Hip hop education field uh, being one of them. Your acclaimed organization came up several times. So I wanted to reach out and, and, uh, and kick it with you guys. So, uh, again, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. For sure, man. Thanks for having um, us. Yeah, no doubt. Let's get the basics out of the way. Just so, you know, I, I introduced a little bit, but to hear it from from y'all directly, you know, how do you describe the Hip Hop Fundamentals program? Uh, well, Hip Hop Fundamentals focuses on breaking. So Steve and I, as well as all of our teaching artists that we collaborate with, have been in the breaking scene in Philadelphia and internationally for many years. So we kind of looked at how we can use breaking in educational ways. So we do assembly programs, in-school residencies, after-school workshops. Uh, We collaborate with uh, long-term education here at a dance studio here in Philadelphia. But it's basically trying to see what we can do with breaking in terms of empowering youth in the fields of their academics, their social lives, and yeah, essentially just trying to empower them and and give young people uh, an agency and a voice through breaking, which is the art form that we know. How did the uh, organization kind of come about? You guys are obviously in the dance world, in the breaking world, b-boying and such. Uh, How did this kind of first coalesce into, hey, let's do something along these lines in an orchestrated manner? Good question. Uh, I'll take this one, Mark. So it actually came out in a pretty natural, organic way. We all started as breakers, as b-boys. 
And we recognized that this is a passion that we really enjoyed doing and being involved in, but we didn't, we didn't have a way to make money with it very much. Uh, we did some street hitting and we did some uh, performances and some competitions, but that didn't really pay the bills. And both Mark and I have college degrees and, and we know we wanted to do more with ourselves than just, just dance on the street. So we had this opportunity to begin a, a youth program down in South Philly at the Houston Center, which is part of the United Communities of Southeastern Pennsylvania organization. And so we started a dance program there in maybe 2004, 2005. And that kind of took off for about a year. And we ran that and got really good feedback. And we kind of left that alone for a little bit and started doing work with different theater companies on our own. Eventually, we came back together and started working uh, under the name of Hip Hop Handbook, which was an organization that does work similar to what we do, but uh, a bit different in some ways. And we really enjoyed doing the assembly and residency and workshop work. And so we transformed that company into what Hip Hop Fundamentals is today. And so we kind of combined our local love of dance and community in Philadelphia with traveling and sharing what we do with students. And, and that's also a very simple way. There's so much involved in how we got to where we are. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, these organic paths are never linear. Yeah. I guess uh, when many folks, I think, hip, uh, think of hip hop being used in education settings. And in fact, when many folks think of hip hop in general, they kind of stop at rap. And, you know, that's mm. with education, it's uh, it may focus around the idea of teaching, you know, material through song, you know, repetitive use. And, you know, yeah. th and th that's viable and that's important and that works. Um, but of course, hip hop education as a grander field goes deeper than that. If you do bring up dance, I, I think then, then most folks would grasp the use of hip hop style dances, exercise and get kids moving. And again, that's perfectly reasonable. That's perfectly viable. I'm sure there's part of that in, in your program. But I'd like to hear a little bit more. You explain how dance can do more than just help from a physical activity standpoint. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that we're really excited about is getting into this field of arts integration. Uh, we're both... Uh, certified teaching artist. I studied arts integration for a year at uh, UArts here in Philly. And essentially, I mean, I think a lot of, of what we're trying to do stemmed out of the theater work that Steve and I were doing back in the day. So once mm -hmm. we kind of saw that like breaking could exist out of the cipher and it could tell stories that were different from just in the traditional breaking context of being in a competition or being in a cipher, then we started thinking about, well, what can this do possibly in the realm of like education? For example, we teach, we've done like different in-school residencies where we're looking at like American history through breaking. So even though we're learning hip-hop dance, it's not hip-hop about hip-hop. It's hip-hop about history. So we'll uh, help facilitate the young people to be like, okay, let's create a dance around what do you think it felt like for the young kids in the Children's March of the Civil Rights Movement? So we use breaking movement vocabulary to create dance pieces and vignettes and sometimes even like full length little uh, shows that the, the kids design that are around historical content. Another thing that we're excited about is we can start looking at uh, straight up academic content as well. So like how do you, how can we dance like a water molecule that's in a liquid state? Or how could you break like a water molecule that's in a gaseous state? So you're huh. looking at stuff like molecular properties through the way that you move. And this isn't anything new that, uh, 
you know, there are other forms of dance that definitely use this type of arts integration, but we think we're one of the first to use it with breaking because breaking breaking is all we know. You know what I mean? So we're like, all right, let's take some of these other educational paths that have already been forged and let's let's use what we know in, right. in a way to teach them. You know what I mean? Right, right. Besides the educational factors, I uh, when it comes to, to breaking b-boying, I, I interviewed a, a cat from out here in, in New York, b-boy Frankie. Uh, he's the guy that goes out and competes and does a lot of things, but he also teaches a lot of workshops and such. And he told me a story about going up into some remote village somewhere up in the Arctic, you know, <laughs> like this indigenous first person's, you know, Canadian area. And it was great because he, of course, went up to, you know, he said, look, I'm, I'm going up to teach dance. I'm teach the hip hop stuff that we do. He goes, but I'm not really teaching dance. He goes, what I'm really teaching is confidence building. Mm. Right. And he's saying, you know, when, when you show a couple of moves and they're like, oh, there's no way I could do that. You're, you know, that's crazy. But then, you know, he works through the basics and the, and the fundamentals, you know, no pun intended. Yeah. And then and then what you're doing is they, you know, they're able to quickly, you know, see that they can, you know, learn and, and develop and mimic the moves and and, you know, getting in front of people, not being embarrassed. How much of that, you know, personal development, that personal growth comes out through some of the work you do? Ooh. It really it's a good question, but I, the answer for me would be that it depends on the amount of time that we have to work with students and that the amount of time that a student dedicates themselves to this craft. Like if it really, if it really touches them in it and they pick it up quickly, right. I think that that is something where you're going to see a sharp increase in emotional development and uh, physical understanding of your body. Mm. So I, I think a good deal um, and kind of to talk, to speak to what Mark was was talking about earlier too, it dance and storytelling are both very human things. We have a visceral reaction to them where you're gonna either connect with a story or not, you're gonna connect with the dancing or not. And that honesty that is involved at the base level with both of both both of those art forms gives us back feedback in the immediate that we can deal with. So I think that it gives us an advantage with working with people because when we do a performance, we know if people like it or not. And when we're working and teaching somebody, I can tell if they understand it or not. This is something where you can't lie to me about if you understand the movement we're teaching. I can right. see it that you can or cannot. Got it. Um, furthermore, the emotional development within dance is something that I don't think people spend enough time on, especially considering that hip hop is something that's very much male dominated. Mm -hmm. And so you have these young males getting involved in this art form that requires a, an emotional balance, a, a way to judge yourself, a meter to, to know where you stand emotionally, because that is like how you feel is absolutely a part of how you dance. So I think that there's a great deal of depth in there, or at least um, an area that we can really look into in right. terms of what it does for people beyond the physical, because the emotional uh, maturation is, is definitely a part of the process. Got it. Yep. Yep. That's and to piggyback on that, I mean, like, I think, I think Frankie's absolutely right when he talks about confidence. I mean, even if we're seeing uh, kids for like a 45 minute assembly, a lot of times we'll get feedback. You know, because a, a large part of our assembly program is pulling up young people on stage to dance with us and like learn stuff on the fly. Mm. And a lot of times we'll get teachers and administrators being like, yo, the, the dude who came up and was going off, like that is the last person that I would have expected to come up here and do that <laughs> in front right. of like 600 kids. Right. And we were like, you know, that's that's the power of hip hop and that's the power of breaking. 
Yeah, for sure. All of a sudden, you got this new you got this new voice, and you have this new thing that's like, oh, I don't really need permission to do this. I can just get up here and I can do my thing. Right, like that. That to me is what hip hop has always been about. Yeah, for sure. And, and also, shout out to Frankie. I'm assuming you're talking about Frankie Supreme Beings, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were like yeah. our rivals. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna front. They they beat us so many times. They are, we would go up to New York and they would put the smackdown on us so many times. I can't lie about the scoreboard on that one. So shout out, much love to Frankie Supreme. It's Beans. not that uneven though. Don't let him tell you. It's <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Oh man, I done started up something. Let me <laughs> let's move on back to the classroom. No, 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 it's all, it's all love, man. I love Frankie. I love Supreme. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. What you say is is kind of the, the gist of what I was getting. Obviously, you know, the kids you spend forty five minutes showing and getting on stage, they may not be in in the Red Bull, you know, finals next year. But but it just opens them up a little bit to say, wow, I could do something that I didn't do yesterday. I could, you know, this isn't something I could. I only have to do outside of school. Like I could bring this. This is this could be who I am and I don't have to be, you know, leave it at the door. You know, this could help me in different ways. So I think there's a lot of, you know, validity to all that. As you guys work with Umpty Nine now, probably schools and and, and organizations and, uh, you know, youth groups and such, obviously the success stories are great. I want to ask about a couple of those, but perhaps more in the beginning of what you were trying to do. What is, you know, we hear a lot about, uh, you know, hip hop being brought into traditional spaces and they're being pushed back sometimes they don't fully understand again they think of rap they think of radio rap they think of negativity all the things what were some of the hindrances you guys maybe ran into or or heard about or had to deal with in in trying to demonstrate maybe perhaps more in the early days but even now maybe uh you know that this is a valid important and effective way of of reaching young students well i mean this is how i think of it right sometimes when we come in for an assembly we're, we're part of this amazing roster uh, called uh, Young Audiences of New Jersey, Eastern Pennsylvania. And we're soon to be collaborating with Young Audiences New York, and we're already collaborating with Young Audiences Northern California. So this is a large national nonprofit that helps bring arts experiences to schools. Hmm. They're fantastic, right? But every now and then, you can feel that you walk into a school and they're like, well, what are you about to do? In one of two ways. It's either like, are you guys going to do like the cursing and the rap thing? Right. Or it's like, oh, y'all don't look like what we traditionally think hip hop looks like. So what exactly are you going to do? How are you going to how are you going to bring hip hop to my school? Mm, Okay. And it's not something that's always explicitly said. But sometimes I'm wondering, you know, do you guys treat the ballet groups that you bring in or do you treat the Chinese acrobats that you bring in with the same kind of chip on your shoulder? But I mean, all of those walls break down in like 30 seconds once we start the program and they see like, oh. Not only do these guys know what they're doing, right? But and so they, you know, they they can they can break and they know what they're doing. But but this is a, a definitely a family friendly program. You know what I yeah. mean? Would yeah, you agree definitely. with me on that, Steve? Sometimes you feel that, right? Oh yeah, and and it's something that doesn't necessarily go away. No matter what we do, if I walk into a room and if we get an award, there may be somebody in that room that's going to say, "Hey, are can you do a backflip?" Could you <laughs> right. spin on your head? I'd really like to see that. Right. So there is a. It's the equivalent of telling a comedian, "Tell me a joke." It's <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Nobody likes that. Even if you're a comedian <laughs> and you want to tell a joke, I don't want to be asked to tell a joke. <laughs> right. I got you. I got you. Well, I think the best way to squash a lot of those concerns is is track record and and showing and obviously mm-hmm. teaming up with a big organization that that kind of comes in with some clout but track record you know success stories case studies if you want to you know be all uh she she foo foo and educational about it 
So, of course, you've had plenty of successes. You've seen this work. Can you give an idea of like some maybe some specifics that really stand out to you, you know, through the years that you've been doing this that basically make you sit back and say, man, this is this is good stuff. We're, we're doing good work. Oh, man. We've got a lot of good stories. Metal, do you want to tell some of yours? <laughs> we got stories for days. I mean, one of the biggest like like long-term success stories we have is actually with a lot of the other dancers that we subcontract and that we work with. Okay. So if we go back to when Steve was talking about this Houston Center program, which was the first time Steve and I started teaching breaking in the community center context, we had like eight students. They're like 10 years old. Now we have some of those students who we've known since they were like 10, 11 years old. A lot of them have grown up and they work with our company now. So we've seen them come mm-hmm. up from nothing in breaking right. to being going through like the battle circuit on their own. And now we're starting to teach them, okay, how do you be a teaching artist? How can you have this as a job or as a side gig? And seeing their eyes light up once we ha- once they start teaching their own classes and they're like, yo, like the kids are really getting it and I'm starting to connect and they're starting to get really passionate about teaching. Yeah. That's like, that's makes me like super, super hyped to be like, yo, I knew you when you were 10 and here you are doing this, teaching other 10 year olds. You know what I mean? Right, right. Bringing up the next uh, generation of, of what you guys are doing, keeping it, pushing it, paying forward. Yep. Yeah, yep. totally. So yeah, there's, I think that is probably the single greatest uh, example of what hip hop can do and what we are doing with hip hop. This, the cyclic nature of creating, giving back, teaching others how to do the same and passing that on, right? Having that lineage is really important. I think that that's a big part of what has kept the dance kind of where it is, is that we haven't had, there's been gaps within generations. Mm -hmm. So people won't be able to pass things on because there's not a career path that is visible for people who are just getting into this. Right. So that's one that's one other piece that we're trying to do is show that there's more that you could do with this dance. And that if you want to dedicate yourself to an art form that other people say, oh, well, you know, I just do that. Kids do that. And then you move on. <laughs> we're trying to show that there's more to it than that. And right. uh, that is thanks in large part to the inspiration we got from people like Brenny Harris, Pure Movement, yeah. Raphael Xavier, people who've done work in this community, creating dance theater and using breaking as an art form to expand beyond just the street and the competition. But, you know, we also have a lot of, we have a lot of moments in assemblies and teaching kids where, you know, they say really funny stuff, very honest, (laughs) honest things. And I think that's probably one of the more fun things is when you have a child, just have a sincere moment of figuring something out because oftentimes them figuring something out just comes out in a hilarious fashion. (laughs) I hear that. It's one of the things I like about, hip hop based education, obviously as an advocate for hip hop music and culture, and I've been covering it, you know, pushing it in, in the New York area specifically. But now that I'm reaching out to organizations like y'all, that are, you know, just doing this nationwide, worldwide, is not only are you being effective in, you know, translating educational topics and using your form of, of hip hop art to help mm-hmm. teach, you know, things, actual, you know, things like you talk about the subject matter, but it's, it's, it's killing that other bird at the same time by, making sure that young people understand that this form of this element of hip hop culture it still exists and, and is still vibrant yes. uh, because especially with dance, you know, especially with, you know, and even with the visual arts, uh, you know, I, I talked to uh, uh, some, some older people who are less familiar with, uh, with hip hop culture just to kind of gauge their perspective. And a lot of times they'll same thing. Oh, well, what I hear on, you know, what I hear is terrible. It's, you know, the, the rap is terrible. These whatever. Okay. I get it. But then they'll say something like this has actually been said to me. Well, you know, I used to like the break dancing. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, it's, you know, it, it didn't die. It's still, it's not, you it's know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, hip hop media does a bad job and of, of keeping these things alive, but you guys are doing it really where it, where it counts with young people, with the next generation to keep that narrative alive. And that's, that's valuable work as well. It's, you know, it's the other, it's a bonus, I think. We're trying hey. to, we're yeah. definitely trying to. And like, I always tell the young people I work with, like hip hop is in their hands now. Like I'm an, I'm an old guy. Hip hop is about young <laughs> right. people. You know what I mean? Right. So, so my job, I feel like, is to bring, even if it's just a little bit of the traditional break-in styles, right. give them some of that, uh, some of those moves that they could throw into the dance styles that they now like and that they think is popular, then look, you're keeping the tr- tradition alive, even in a small way. Right, right, you know I mean? right. Letting them, re, you know, reinvent or remix it, but give them those fundamentals. Again, you know, the foundations are important. Exactly. Um, now, here's a question. Some of the perceptions about you know, hip hop education uh, programs like hip hop fundamentals, people think I think that people think that yeah. they could be particularly effective with kids from you know urban areas or, quote unquote, minority communities, students of color and such. And I know that that's true to some extent because those kids are often more immersed in a lifestyle that has hip hop roots. So they kind of they're familiar. But folks tend to underestimate, I think, how ubiquitous hip hop culture has become across all demographics. I don't know the the range of of uh, communities that you guys have brought your program into. Can you speak a little bit to you know that range or or the idea that there's a, a more universal potential for the work you do that isn't just you know inner city kids and you know what I mean? Absolutely, uh, Steve. I'll start this one off, but you should piggyback in if I forget anything. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. So yeah, we we are lucky to be able to serve lots of different kinds of communities. I mean, we're we're working in uh, areas of Philly, areas of Camden and Newark and Trenton, where there are, you know, lockdowns all the time because there's gunshots outside the school where these kids sometimes are coming into class and they look exhausted and you can tell that they haven't slept for days. Yep. And they, these kids literally have, you know, very, very little access to resources. But at the same time, we're also getting to go to places like very fancy uh, schools in like Princeton. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where students are boarding school. It's a boarding school and there's, there's students from lots of different countries and it's in a pretty affluent neighborhood. Right. And, you know, I was just having this discussion the other day uh, where sometimes people are like, oh, don't you want to give hip hop to the students that need it? And I'm like, don't you see that everybody needs this? Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that all different demographics need this. And you can see like the, the excitement that a kid who's grown up in the hood is getting with breaking is the same level of excitement that somebody who connects with it from an affluent neighborhood. Mm. And mm. I can also see like, look, if I'm working in these affluent neighborhoods as well, don't you want these young people to grow up and to, uh, who have, you know, statistically more likely to be financially successful. Don't you want them to have an appreciation for what real hip hop culture is about? Right. So I feel like their, their education is, is just important to the education of, of young people. You know, kids are kids. I think yeah, everybody sure. deserves to have this. And we okay. can really see like, you know, like I'm talking about, I, we can see their eyes just light up and we can see this spark of inspiration that traverses any type of economic or, or geographical uh, demographic. Sometimes it, it even breaks language barriers. You know what I mean? Mm, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with everything Metal said. I do feel that we have a, we've been afforded a unique opportunity that we do work with both very wealthy and very poor communities. And like Meadow said, they both deserve good education. I think what is striking uh, to me from my experience is that while they both deserve a good education, it's the kids that are in the poor communities, the ones in Newark that we've worked with in Camden and Trenton, 
they they need it more. Right. The right. opportunities in the in the rich communities or the wealthy ones, um, the children come and we bring them hip hop and it's fun and it's and it's definitely something they can be attracted to and be involved in. And pretty much anybody likes to dance. But for the kids in the poor communities, it's something where they don't have these opportunities. They need this. They right. absolutely need all of the other opportunities that the wealthy communities have, but unfortunately they don't get it. So yeah. our job is really just to give them the best that we can while we're there. And it is sad. It hurts. And we have, you know, there's a bit of an ethical uh, issue for us in that, you know, like if these kids really do need us more, why are we even working with the more wealthy schools? Right. But again, those kids need education too. And we can't, I can't say that one child is more deserving than another. I yep. can say that I do think that one child needs us more than the other. Um, right. But in terms of deserving it, everybody deserves a good education. I understand yep. that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm in Newark, by the way. So shout out. Oh, get out of here. Worry. That's what's up. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's um, that's know, a great way know. to put it where, you know, kids who are, uh, are you know, have more of the resources. It's fun. It, it, it's a it's a cool way to, you know, incorporate the arts into school. And I think there's value in that, too, because some of those kids, especially some of you know, kids that are a little farther removed from, again, hip hop roots. It, it allows them a, a, an instructor uh, I talked to who teaches sort of a hip hop history class out somewhere in like North Alabama. And it's like red state and not necessarily the, the, the kind of kids who really uh, have had experience with the with the communities that are typically associated with hip hop. But right. when you when you teach them and when you show them things, it, it is it does open up that perspective a little bit. And I think that's important. Get the perspective from the artists. They, they study rappers and rap lyrics and they break it down as sort of as hip hop as journalism. So they say, yeah, these are rap songs, but these artists are growing up in these areas you're not familiar with. And they're telling you something and you can just brush it off as entertainment. But if you listen and kind of delve into what they're talking about, they actually get uh, a better perspective of where those communities are and, and what they're having to deal with. Uh, so I think some of that comes out when you're teaching and working in, in districts that are not necessarily you know familiar with hip hop. So that's a plus. But you do say that the the kids in, in the poor communities and the communities that have gotten less resources and less attention, part of what you do that's great, I think you talk about it in your TED Talk a little bit, is this also reinforces the idea that a teacher should be aware of the cultural nuances of these students and not push them away, but use them to their advantage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like... Well, I'm somewhat in the educational sphere as well. So I get to go to a lot of conferences and I get to do a lot of uh, professional development for sessions for teachers. And a yeah. lot of times the, the big question that comes up is like, well, well, how do I, how do I reach my students? And I'm like, you know, they're right there. Why don't you just ask them? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Well, and sometimes yeah. you'll, they'll straight up tell you the best way for them to learn something. Or you can say, you know, do you need to review this a bunch of times? Like, do you want to, do you want to, take a minute and write some stuff out like they'll, they'll tell you the best way for them to absorb information and and sometimes it's being active and sometimes it's working in small groups and sometimes it's just being by yourself and thinking about it sometimes it's connecting through an art form so right. you can just ask them you know what do you like to do right and their kids maybe they don't know what they like to do so now it's our job to provide them with as many different experiences and voices as possible so they can find the thing that they connect with or or the many things that they connect with you know what i mean yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple more questions before you guys go. I just want to say, um, I just want to ask, 
again, we talked about educational stuff, the the material that you can teach and, you know, that you can make these parallels with dance. Uh, I think the the movements of liquids, I think that's a great, great example mm-hmm. of that. Um, and we've talked about the confidence building and sort of the, the social interactivity aspect of what you do. There was a, a news piece on you guys. And um, one of the things you mentioned was also the work you do tries to help foster the idea of social change, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of, of, I guess, more civic minded stuff. And I'm, I'm curious about, about any work that you might have done in that arena or how you might see some of that develop from your work as well. We, we live in times where civic mindedness needs to be uplifted, I think. And, you know, a lot of things going on in case you haven't heard. Uh, <laughs> if know. you haven't, we're in some trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but again, I think that, you know, hip hop being such a unique way of, of uh, adding perspective and, and, and bringing it into non-traditional spaces can open up some of this stuff. How, how have you guys worked toward that or seen that happen? Some of the in-school residencies that we've done have looked at social content and historical content through break-in. So, mm-hmm. for example, there's a, one residency we did in the uh, a couple months back was at this place called Fitler Academics Plus up in North Philadelphia. So, this is a pretty low-income area. Uh, we've worked with this school for a couple of years, and we're going in with their 6th, 7th, and 8th grade to talk about not only hip hop history, but also some of the history that they're studying in school. At the time, they were studying the Holocaust and the Armenian genocide, but they were also connecting that with the Black Lives Matter movement. So we were able to work with the students for them to create their own like evening length dance performance, which involved like dance, spoken word. We also had some drumming in there, working with other teaching artists. Mm. And they created these really amazing, beautiful uh, pieces that talked about why their lives matter how they were, how they felt kind of connected to a lot of the young people who were living, who lived through the Armenian genocide and lived through the Holocaust. Mm. And like the, especially through the poetry that they were able to create. Right. It was just, it was mind blowing the stuff that these kids were talking about. So like one that really stood out to me was you have an eighth grader who's reading a poem from the perspective of growing up and being gay. Now, this kid himself is not gay, but he can understand that perspective and he wrote poetry from that perspective. For me to hear him talk about that and then to see dances that go along with that, my mind was blown to say, Mm. wow, this is what you guys came up with. You're this open that you can see other perspectives like that, especially coming from the neighborhood that you come from. Yeah. So I, I, I was just... You know, and there there are umpteen examples of students mm. who are able to 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 do that. So I think like because we explicitly come in and talk about social issues, it kind of opens the door for like, okay, now I have this new way to express myself through dance. I can use dance to to explore these things. You know what I mean? Wow, yeah, that's a great that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, kids will blow you away with. Uh what they are able to do when you give them a chance. Uh, they, I, I do want to really briefly mention the work that we did at the Southwest Leadership Academy Charter School in Southwest Philly, where we worked with uh, a classroom teacher to develop content and to work on teaching the civil rights movement, specifically the Children March in Alabama and the work that Martin Luther King, Ju- King Jr. did organizing that and organizing in the South against racism and segregation. And the the work in Southwest, I mean, Philadelphia is a very segregated city and in, it's actually more segregated now than it was in the civil rights, than before the civil rights movement. So I do think this is pertinent, especially considering the time we live in. But 
it was really quite beautiful working with these students where they they worked on developing their own show that dealt with issues that they were dealing with in their community that related to those of the children in the Children's Crusade in Alabama um, in Birmingham. And, you know, dealing with that history, dealing with the idea of racism and prejudice in the world in the past and in the present, and then putting it into a artist piece that is then performed at the African American Museum on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day was just it, it, the way that it culminated doing that performance, having them come and talk about the issues that they do, they face and having people listen is really the point that the voices of, of uh, the children that are in our schools now are going to be the voices of those leading our country in a good 10 or 15 years. And so it's really important for us. I know for me, what I want is for those voices to be informed and empowered and to know their history and to have a place within that history. And so that's that to me is really the larger point is that our place within this history needs to be known and our identity and how we express that identity has to be informed through experience. Otherwise, these kids are being told you could be anything, but they're not giving any tools to be anything other than two or three things. So it's, it's you know, I, I there's a lot to say about the educational system. And, but what I will keep to is that working with them on the civil rights movement and, and using art to to reach them was it just it really means a lot to us. And we see we see so much back that it's hard for us not to understand how others can be like, oh, we don't need arts in the schools. When we see what happens when kids are given the opportunity to be involved, it's just it's incredible. Yep. Right. And and to speak a little bit on that residency in particular, one one detail, one story that stood out to me. So like I don't know if you've ever heard or, or seen this documentary called The Mighty Writers. Uh, which oh, is all okay. about the Children's Crusade. You seen that one? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Oh, I highly recommend it, man. The okay. footage and the the interviews that they bring from that time, like the, it's interviews from uh, students who were involved in the Children's Crusade, but it's also interviewing some of the cops that were involved and they have a lot of historical footage. It's dope. Hmm. So we're like, oh, we're going to go in and we're going to show these students a lot of this really powerful footage. Like when I show this footage to adults, like they tear up, they cry. This is powerful stuff. Right. So we're coming in, we're like, yes, we're going to show this footage. This is going to really show them what it's like. We show this to, you know, our students. We had over, I think it was like 45 students, right? From grade four through grade eight. Got mm -hmm. them all in the auditorium. We showed them this really powerful footage. And I'm not going to lie, man. Some of them were sleeping through it. And I was like, wow, I thought this would be the way that this would reach them to see footage of, of and this is a, a like 99% African-American school we're working at, to right. see footage of kids who look like them getting sprayed with the water hoses and stuff. But then I realized, I'm like, this is, this is just another day in school for them. They get information like this all the time. Mm. So it wasn't until we started really dancing about it and saying, okay, you're going to physically use your body and use break-in to say, how, how did it feel to be in that situation as a young person? That's mm -hmm. when we saw them getting it. Wow, and okay. I, I didn't I didn't expect that to happen at all. They they were they were kind of bored watching this video. Right, right. So this just speaks to what Steve was saying that like yo, you need to bring even if it's not breaking, even if it's not hip hop, it's got to be the arts that come and connect aesthetically and that connect emotionally with students. That's how they're going to remember stuff, and that's how they're going to find their voice. Yeah. Oh wow, beautiful sentiment. Um, so it's not just spinning on your head, I guess, is what you're saying, right? <laughs> Okay. Somehow, no. <laughs> got it. Got it. No, it's a beautiful sentiment, and 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 uh, you know, I you, I couldn't have 
ask for a better explanation and some examples. That's fantastic stuff. So I think that's it. I mean, you guys gave me such a great rundown, exactly what I was looking for. I'm going to ask you one more thing. This is how I ended uh, um, uh, these episodes now. So this is this is my deep thought moment. Mm. The name of this podcast is Hip Hop Can Save America. Uh, maybe a lofty theory, uh, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> I agree. And, and, and hip hop doesn't have to be the only thing. We need a lot of things. Right, right, America. right. Uh, but the the idea is that, you know, and I want to hear from you guys what your, what your thoughts are. Why is it important or what are the best reasons to truly consider hip hop music and culture and art when looking for ways to improve lives, livelihoods and communities in this country? Whew. All right. Well, I'll start. I'll say that hip hop can save America because hip hop speaks for the voice of the oppressed. And that is one of the most important communities in our country is that those who are oppressed, right? And I'm talking about dance, music, singing and writing, all forms of art. Hip hop embodies all of those forms of art. And it is through art that we're able to reach each other's humanity to understand each other and and to put aside silly political differences or just any difference that that divides us because when when you're in a room dancing to good music it's really hard to be racist it's really hard to be prejudiced when you're sweaty dancing around a whole ton of other people just listening to music and getting lost in the moment that when art transcends is when your eyes get glassy and you stop thinking about what's going on in your life and you start living in the moment. And and that, I think, is the hope of America, when we're able to hear music in our car and stop worrying about our day and be transported somewhere else, that the art has to be good enough that we're able to transcend. So I think hip hop can totally save America. We just need more people making good hip hop. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and there it is. I completely agree. Look, to tag on with that, I mean, like, I, I especially mainstream hip hop and, and even in the spheres of hip hop that we deal with. Look, hip hop has has its own problems as well. Hip hop is not a perfect microcosm of how we think the world should be. But it has it, it does have so many positive aspects that I learned coming into hip hop. Like I, I, I wasn't born into hip hop culture. I had to come and learn hip hop culture as an American art form. And I feel that uh, one of the things that I've learned is that at, at its heart, even though hip hop has a lot of problems at its heart, hip hop is very inclusive, like Steve was saying, where it doesn't really matter what you look like. It matters mm-hmm. what you can do. And this type of this type of meritocracy is something that I think a lot of other systems in America is lacking right now. Mm-hmm. And it's also about, you know, hip hop is show and prove, especially in breaking. It's yeah. not about what you did yesterday or what you did 10 years ago is what can you do right now? What kind of skills can you bring to the table right now? And it's not afraid to tell you when you're being whack. So I think like, (laughs) you know, those those kind of lessons that I've learned coming up through hip hop first as an outsider and now as a practitioner, I I wish that other systems in America really used or or thought about themselves in that way. Right. Well, listen, uh, we're going to try to make make them listen. Hey, <laughs> that's the that's the job, man. Yeah, that's it. That you guys are doing the noble work, and and I'm trying to do my best to tell people oh, you about as well, it. So man. Maybe, hey, maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll start paying attention. Now we've seen th- some movements. You know, we've seen some things working. Obviously, the work you're doing is is effective. Again, like you said, a lot of the people who need it, you know, are young people from across all demographics, but certainly where uh, the neglect has been there in the past. Uh, it's great to see you guys use your your skills, your talent, and your passion in this way. So I really appreciate you sharing your uh, your work and your perspectives with me and for the people listening to this. And uh, we wish you all the best. 
Thank you, man. Thank you for having us. Hip hop can save America. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Hip Hop Can Save America is a presentation of the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy at hiphopadvocacy.org, a nonprofit dedicated to increasing public understanding of hip hop culture. We're also brought to you by the Newsbeat Podcast, hard-hitting journalism, including interviews with thought leaders and activists about the most pressing social justice issues of our time. It also incorporates hip hop with music and original lyrical contributions every episode. Think of it as Democracy Now! and Black Thought had a podcast baby. Find Newsbeat by More Creative Studios wherever you get your podcasts or on the web at usnewsbeat.com. Hip Hop Can Save America with Manny Faces airs weekly Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on Bonfire Open Source Radio. With amazing programming like their flagship morning show TK in the AM, Bonfire Open Source Radio is leading community radio into the future. Check them out at bonfireradio.com or on the TuneIn app. Hip Hop Can Save America is created and hosted by me, Manny Faces. I also produce the theme music. Special thanks to our associate producer, Summer McCoy. You can find out more about me at mannyfaces.com. And find out more about Summer's hip-hop and tech-related initiative, Hip Hop Hacks, at hiphophacks.com. Thank you for listening. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs>
<laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcasaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Many Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours. 